Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams, we're here. It's a special Monday night episode. Danny. Oh yeah, baby. We're all and, the way back. And it's unfortunately a monumental loss. Charlotte <laughs> FC, zero. DC United, three. Danny Brams, you had to remind me that that was the same scoreline last year when we traveled yeah. to DC for the opening match of the season. They pumped us for three. They've pumped us for three twice now uh, in their place, unfortunately. And uh, it's not good, man. We we did reverse that scoreline at the Fortress, the Keep, last year. So now, so they're now 6-3 up on us lifetime, you could say. Uh, so we, uh, we owe them three goals when they come back here this year. But uh, it wasn't good. We thought good things could happen. We thought good things might happen. And good things did not happen, unfortunately. We... Uh, lackluster lifeless performance that left the, t- the squad kind of like uh just looking at each other and wondering what went wrong and we were doing the same thing as we kind of grumblingly walked out of the stadium you know it, it, it's i have no shame about it you know we had kind of it, we threw in the towel at like 92nd minute and as we're you know we're walking behind the stands and as we're like leaving the stadium we hear this huge cheer go up and they scored a third goal, uh, you know, in the 95th. So it's just like uh, two, two, you know, fireworks are going up as we're leaving. Uh, Audi Field is a cool place to see a game. They were nice hosts for us. But, man, it was a it was an ugly party for us as the, as the visitors. We were dreaming about what could have been before mm-hmm. the match as one of my favorite images from the weekend. <laughs> Here we by go. far. Sure. Is, yeah. is this pre-match photo, right? Like just, just gazing – uh, trying to imagine what Charlotte FC's night could look like. And and, nice. and and little did we know, Danny, little did we know it ended like this. Numbers coming forward for Charlotte are against them. This is beautiful football from D.C. O'Brien, it'll fall for Jacob Green! How's that for an exclamation point? Look what it means, Danny. Look what it means <laughs> it everything. to DC. Are you kidding me? It meant I everything mean, to young Jacob Green, for sure. It, it certainly did. And uh, it, it's a moment that he won't forget in his career. And mm-hmm. um, you said that that you <laughs> checked out around the 96th, 92nd minute. Well, that's um, when we walked out. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I, I mentally I checked out probably a little earlier than that. I was going right? to say mentally I checked out after the the VAR decision. <laughs> right. In, right. In, it's to start the the match and, and give DC United a PK chance that uh, they put home. And it just, I, I asked myself in that moment, Danny, you know, after we spent time, that photo that we showed uh, on our YouTube page, thanks for watching the show live. We're going to get to the comments here in, in a few minutes. Uh, that photo we showed was, was outside um, Solace Brewery, yeah. Brewing Company. And, you know, it was almost like deja vu. We, we had the same day we go into the stadium and all of a sudden VAR is ready, willing, yeah. able to change Charlotte FC. There was. I'm not going to bitch was... about it. I'm not going to bitch about Charlotte FC and VAR on the show. I'm not going to bitch about it. But I but, just want to – I just need it to acknowledge the fact that it's now happened to us twice. And, yeah, and you say you mentally checked out when the VAR decision came in. I think you mentally checked out – when the ref ran over to the monitor like as soon as they went to var you knew it was over it's like the the way the way it works in mls like you in that situation they're only going to the monitor to overturn it because someone told them that they messed up and they need to overturn their call it's a little different you know in in england they have like the the technology and the double line system and europe has ucl has their own thing too in in major league soccer it's you know, the booth is watching it. And if they think the ref made a mistake, they say, hey, get over here and look at your mistake and fix it. So you know that it's it's going to switch. He's going to award the penalty as soon as he runs over there, unfortunately. so We've got a lot to talk about this evening. Um, I saw uh, Bridget chime in in the comments. Bridget McCall, great times, who's hanging out with us at mm-hmm. the brewery. Always always good to um, see you and, and the fam and appreciate all the TFOs who made the trip up there. Uh, Charlotte yep. FC was, was well represented. Uh, in DC, we were and, everywhere. Uh, that will that will continue to be the theme because it's such a, a great away day, and you know, unfortunately, it was another loss. But it's but it's a it's a day you've got to learn to enjoy, knowing the outcome probably isn't going to go your way. Can you do me another favor here, please, Mister Producer? Pop up that picture again. I want to I want to comment. I have a commentary on this, and it's not a commentary on my uh, 
slowly developing bald spot there on the back of my head that stands out <laughs> to me. You know, I'm vain. I'm vain enough to look straight there uh, when I put see this picture. But uh, no, what that is is that's me looking for uh, our scoring chances. I'm just, I'm staring. Off, I'm like, hey, are there any scoring chances out there? You know, for us to uh, to get because uh, we had one shot on goal. And it came from Burn, and uh, uh, you know, you don't want. Uh, Nathan Byrne, I think I've I've been really harsh on him on this show in past episodes. He is part of the team, and I want him to like be successful. Obviously, uh, so like I think he can make positive contributions. He tried, but you don't want your only shot on goal coming from Nathan Byrne in a, in a three 0 loss on the road match for sure. Okay, good because um, you can take that kind of spin on Nathan Byrne, but I want you to watch this. The harm. Williams up for the header. Benteke thought about it. Benteke with the spectacular. And boy, did he pull it off, Christian Benteke. Watch this one more time, Danny. Watch this one more, more time. Please. The harm. Williams up for the header. Benteke thought about it. Benteke with the spectacular. And boy, did he pull it off, Christian Benteke. MLS, you've got your goal of the week in week number 10. And DC doubled their lead. Some words just won't describe what you witness from players like Christian Benteke in moments like this. Yes, Harrison Awful, it's a poor clearance. This ball's got to be away from the danger area, pushed to the outside. Instead, it's right down the middle. You half expected Cudi Pietro to step up through it. We've seen the combination between those two before, and yet it's Christian Benteke. It's the greatness that was into the future that now is for Benteke and DC United. What a what a gorgeous headed assist from Harrison Affle. <laughs> I and mean, they, that, and, that and, is Nathan, and Nathan Byrne at the same time, Danny. Yeah. Uh, on the front side of that play, he couldn't. You know, he has no height to <laughs> even challenge the ball against the man in the box. Um, our fullbacks, our defensive fullbacks, are just not good enough in the box against a team like this. And unfortunately, Derek Jones and Adilson Milano were just left out to dry as a two-man back line against arguably the best striker in MLS in Christian Benteke. Yeah, it, one it, of them, it, he's, he's making that case for sure. He's a beast. So you take a look at that and you kind of realize how um, undermanned this, this squad is when, in going up on the road. And I had to ask myself a question, Danny. Ask, you, ask away. I say, ask, I had, you asked yourself, ask me. I got, I've got to ask you a question. And that question is, um, why is this team so undermanned, right? Why in the second half, down only one goal, why does this happen? Now, now we're going to see the debut for Charlotte and for the crown of Justin Merrim as he's going to come on and replace Kerwin Vargas. Merrim acquired right before the primary transfer window of Major League Soccer closed for 200000 in GAM. Formerly of RSL, of course, has spent a number of years with Columbus, Orlando, Columbus again, Atlanta United, and now will feature for yet another Major League Soccer side in Charlotte FC. And they're hoping that he can be the type of attacking spark that Christian Latanzio so desperately needs. couple things. Notice number one, no mention of Andre Shinyashiki. Right. He gone. Number two... You'd like to think that in that situation, Danny, that you're 1-0 down, you've got a chance to maybe salvage a point on the road, you haven't played well. Take Who on the bench could possibly provide you some goal-scoring opportunities? Is it Vinny Mello, the guy that's just been talked up, someone who has had a great preseason, is ready to contribute, who had an unbelievable ball that started the move to create a, bowl, a goal at home at the bank? Do you, do you choose him? Or... Do you think about somebody like Nuno Santos? Do you think about a guy that could potentially come on in a midfield role and create something and make that happen in the box? You know, if I'm Christian Latanzio in that moment, I'm thinking maybe I should put one of those two guys in the game. Now, now we're going to see the debut for Charlotte and for the crown of Justin Merrim as he's going to come on and replace Kerwin Vargas. Merrim acquired right before the primary transfer window 
of Major League Soccer closed for 200000 in GAM. Oh, because Vinny Mello and Nuno Santos weren't on the bench. Right. They weren't available. <laughs> they couldn't sub in. Two guys that have proven to create for us and create chances and even like uh, start plays that lead to goals. Must were... be injured. Well, they Must... need no, they weren't injured, but they were resting up because they had a big crown legacy match uh, Sunday night in New York. They were, we were in DC. They were a few hours north of us uh, in, in the boroughs in Queens. Uh, hopefully, you know, getting a bagel <laughs> and uh, uh, getting ready to play uh, against NYC too. They, they were not available. We had a, we had a bench full of kids. We had they talk about player kids. It was all kids on the bench and Miram and uh, it, you know Bridget McCall points out uh, Miram wasn't even into the game. He lazily trotted out of the locker room. That's true. We saw him. He was he was late to the second half. You know why is he the first sub when he didn't even he was late to the second half. He's late getting out of the locker room, uh, and he's like he's all dabbing up like all these like DC United guys on the sidelines as he ran to our bench. Um, it's so funny because you see Justin Miriam. There's, I got all these stories from the game because we, we had a great time. Like as much as this team drives, drives us crazy and drove us crazy and like sunk to a new low on Saturday night, we still had a great time. And the stories flow. And like I remember, you know, we were kind of messed up. We were feeling, you know, very loose and free and tipsy. We'd been drinking all day at Solace. You know, that picture that you took uh, was I was in a very contemplative mood because I had been uh, – freeing my mind a little bit uh, with uh, uh, with everything going on. So um, uh, I turned to you and like the, that Miriam sub came in the 64th minute, right? I distinctly remember though, turning to you in like the 66th, 67th minute. And I was like, man, this team needs a spark. But if Latanzio subs in Miriam right now, I'm going to lose well, my he... shit. I'm out of here. And then I was like, then I looked to my left and I was like, wait, what are those yellow boots? Have? I was like, wait, Miram's already out there? What the? And I was like, <laughs> so pissed. I was like, do not bring him in. And he was already in. So that kind of sucked. And, well, uh, to be fair, it's know. it's kind of poetic, Danny, because at that point, you and I both were already way gone. At <laughs> yeah. That point. Yeah. And so we had found this really cool, like, watching post. So we had really cool seats. We were in, like, one of the corner. We uh, The main supporters group that went up, like, via the club, there's a huge, uh, like, away fans section at the top of 112 we were sort of down near well, let me let me show the folks that are here yeah show um, the view. I, I, I got a great uh, i got a great video in the first half and it was, it was a pretty fun angle to watch the game Happened to grab that video at a very good time, too, because it showed a couple different things, Danny. First and foremost, the, the viewers, the listeners heard you say, oh, Westwood, he's so good. <laughs> he, he made a great play there, bringing the ball down and getting the move started. What happened from there? Uh, I, it, uh, it never found the end product. It never found the person who was willing to shoot. I think it comes down to something that I know you want to talk about. I don't know if you want to get deep into it tonight, but... A big problem has been the system, the idea of like this adherence, this rigid adherence to like it's only a good goal if we score the goal through the system seems to sort of be the ethic at, at play in a lot of the stuff we do. And so our guys aren't making like instinctive plays and just like going with what might work and like looking up and seeing a runner and just going like they feel very tied to this uh, system that Latanzio has like definitely like uh, try to build them into this structure. So that's one thing. Uh, I'm going to say... show this one more time, Danny. Okay, yeah. Just so, sure. uh, and for our for our audience uh, that is listening via podcast after this, make sure you check out our YouTube page, uh, Charlotte Soccer Show on YouTube. Subscribe, uh, and you'll get a little extra benefit, including you know, seeing highlights like this. <laughs> You called it out, Danny. You said Carol on the back post. Did you hear that at the end of that? Yeah, yeah. Video? And then he did, he didn't. Yeah, I did. And then he didn't make the run. So then I was like, yeah, Gaines, Enzo on the back post. Anyone on the back post? Like, like there's all this space behind the defense, and Kerwin's out there with like freedom to cross it, and like no one's like 
making that run in behind defense in that spot right there. It kind of sucked for sure. And that, that's typical. That's a kind of a typical situation. Unfortunately. So there's no end product. And that's always been the issue here. And, um, you know, getting into that forward uh, position, thinking about Vargas on the ball, right? There, there mm-hmm. needs to be a moment here, Danny, at the end of this move where Charlotte FC uh, gets into the final third confidently and make something happen. If you notice, that ball came in basically right on the edge of the final third. Enzo Capetti was making his run. He made it to the top of the 18-yard box, basically right on the edge of the final third, five or ten yards in, but nothing in the box right, there. Right, they, are, they, both, non- they both pulled up. They both pulled up short at the entrance to the box. Like- non-threatening whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the first things that I saw in that video, taking a look back at it today and studying it, uh, specifically because I, I think this is not just happening in this play. I think there's a reason why I wanted to, to grab this attacking footage in the first half is because there's so much space for Vargas to run into there, mm-hmm. but he's being coached. He's being managed. Mm-hmm. He, he, the game strategy tells Vargas to put balls into the box, to serve them up to Capetti, to serve them up to Svidersky. And instead of seeing all that space <clears throat> down the line and getting into the box, what does he do? He tries to follow the system. He tries to create service, and he tries to force it instead of doing something like this. Numbers coming forward for Charlotte against them. This is beautiful football from D.C. O'Brien. It'll fall for Jacob Green. You can see O'Brien just push beautifully down Mm -hmm. that left wing into the box. Instead, Vargas is stalled and doesn't doesn't want to take that space. Even when Benteke falls down, and like that pass was to Benteke, and he falls down, but it's such a sweeping move, and they've just got so many numbers running in that Green is there to clean up the mess and get his his goal. You know, that's a 20-year-old kid playing for D.C. United, Jacob Green. Uh, it's it's ugly. And, like, there was a moment – I don't have this video clip. I wish I would have clipped this. My fault for not doing it. If you go back and do a rewatch – I tried to do a rewatch, by the way, and I got about 10 minutes in, and I was just like, fuck, I just fucking threw my, my iPad against the wall and just w- walked out of the room. But – uh uh there was a moment fifth or sixth minute where Gaines got way open down the right side and did a really nice cross into that same spot, that same spot where green scored from there. We had a chance where Gaines crossed that ball, the spot and Kerwin was make was sweeping in, but Kerwin cuts outside. He cut it. He cut like outside to the, to the outside of the back post instead of running to the spot. And if Kerwin had just like made a slightly different decision there and ran to the spot, we would have this huge, chance from Gaines to Kerwin like five minutes into the match there were slightly missed opportunities like that and it comes down to communication and chemistry and the fact that this team you know I want to shout out our commenters thanks to everybody we've got uh, some people in the room we got some regulars who are showing up and that's uh, great and showing out and so we see like you know Jorge Torres who says system or bust you know I think he's just being kind of kidding there he's being sarcastic and then Brandon Davis follows up with the system is busted you know and it's like uh the, the system is just way too much got people in their own heads. Whether the system, and then Bridget says there's absolutely no execution of any system. The system, whether it's a good system or a bad system, whether they know the system, whether they're executing the system, it's clear that it's all in their heads that they're not playing free. They're not playing loose and they're not playing together. Uh, Latanzio talks about partnership. We're going to tee up some sound bites from Latanzio later when we get a little more specific in this discussion. But like it's clear that partnership between a lot of different like pairings of players is not working and not just not clicking. It's not clicking. You know, that like, you hear that say, sentence a lot. And that, that's the way I would describe it. It's just, it's not clicking gains gains is in the ball in space. He has a great chance to cut back. And it's the, it was, it was basically the same cutback that Yosviak did to Carroll for the goal against Columbus. Uh, but instead of running, you know, to the spot to be in that space, Kerwin runs outside thinking he's going to go back post and it didn't work. So go back and watch that if you can in the fifth or sixth minute, if you, if you haven't done rewatch yet, um, it's not good, man. And like, you know, it's just once we fell behind and once we tried a few things, once we were like, yeah, we'll try this. It, it didn't work. We'll try this. It didn't work. We'll, we'll furtively move the ball forward and maybe kick it into the box a couple of times. You know, at least Kerwin gives credit again for always, at least trying to feed a ball into the box. Um, we just kind of gave up and we're like, all right, nothing works. Let's just, you know, let's see what they've got. And then we sort of like turned the game over. Like we did control the game for like the first 20 minutes. But then it was like, yeah, we're controlling the game, but we're not getting anything done. Let's see what DC's got and let them have the ball for a while. And they, they let them come at us. And uh, 
and they showed us, you know, the penalty I think was BS. I think it was a crap penalty, but it, we, we gave it to the ref to call it. There was contact there. Derek Jones. I, I love him. He's kind of miscast as a center back. I think he could learn to be a great center back, but he's such a good center defensive mid. And it's almost like an opportunity cast cost of putting him at center back. Like, cause we lose him in the midfield. So, uh, but he did give up the penalty. And so then, you know, it's the second half, this like as unlucky and as kind of hard done by as we were in the first half with like a questionable penalty call and some, some offense that wasn't clicking. The second half was just pathetic. I mean, the second half just like made me sick. I know, you checked out on the VAR call, but like even you had to like realize like just how lame and lifeless that in that second half effort was from our entire squad. And at the end of the match, when you're two nil down mm-hmm. um, and you look at your bench after you've, you know, put on um, Merrim and, and you don't have a, a lot of depth there, yeah. you've got to give a youngster his uh, debut. And we love a debut. So we want to give a, a shout out to Diop who got it done on Saturday night. So we're going to have a substitute and a pretty important one on the side of Charlotte as well as Hamidi Diop, the first overall pick in the 2023 Super Draft, is going to make his Major League Soccer debut right here in Washington, D.C. as he comes on and replaces Brant Bronico. 19 years of age when he was drafted out of Clemson University. Mike Noonan doing such a good job of pushing him forward. doesn't really matter where he plays on the back line. You love to see it, and it was uh, an awful second half, and um, there was nothing to write home about. But getting that debut for Hamidi Diop, I think, was um, something to to remember. And I also wanted to call out a, another youngster, um, our first round pick last year, Ben Bender, um, uh, sick for this match, didn't make it into the squad, and I, I think we really missed his presence out there. Because and I felt so bad for Ben and his family who I know are, you know, from the area and brought so many uh, friends and family to, to see Ben and Danny, I know that you uh, got to catch up with uh, Ben's mom. I'm chomping at the bit here to to tell another story for sure, because Mindy Bender, shout out to Mindy. I hope you're, I hope you're on this stream right now. I see a few people are watching. I hope you're one of them. Uh, The, uh, the the chance meeting we had with Ben's mom was absolutely insane. I mentioned the sort of the secret spot we found. So the, if you can imagine the video that you played earlier where we were sort of like looking at the game down from above the corner flag, there was also like this little secret spot we could go to down at field level, right? Down, basically just go down, basically go like directly down from where we our seats were. You take a staircase down and then you could like go underneath this awning and you're sort of field level. The, the VIP section is between you and the field. So you sort of have to look through the VIPs, but it was half empty. There's not very many VIPs in, for, uh, in the supporters. Uh, community up there in dc they're kind of a crazy group but uh but so like we're you know 20 feet from the corner flag let's say and you can see you know you can't really see the ball when it's way down at the other end of the field but you can see it um when it comes like it's worth it the trade-off is worth it because like to see the speed and the action when the ball does come down to your area area is like a really cool way to watch the game for a little bit so we probably did about 30 percent or 40 percent maybe even of the game from down there uh but um, and in, by the way, Benteke's bicycle kick happened like right in front of me. Like you turned around to like throw away a can of beer in the trash can. And then as I like this huge roar went up and I was like, Johnny. And I was like, oh, fuck. This best bicycle kick happened like literally right in front of us from that, that field level spot. Kind of far away, but still pretty cool view. Uh, but the other thing that happened is while we were standing there is this was pregame. This was like 10 minutes before kickoff. We're there sort of watching the players run out and warm up. And I was like talking trash at some of them. And this... Uh, Lovely woman comes up and she says, are you, wait, are you Danny? And I was like, uh, yeah, I am. Yeah. And she goes, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah. You know, I love the show. You know, I'm, I'm Mindy, Ben, uh, Mindy, I'm Ben's mom. And, uh, and then you were, she looks at you and she goes, oh, you, oh, hey, they're both, it's both of y'all. You're both here. You know, and it's like, uh, so that was really cool. She's like, somehow uh, Bender's mom is a TIFOS. That's like probably the biggest breaking news of the entire weekend is that Ben Bender's mom is a TIFOS. We hope you're listening, Mindy. It was great to meet you. She told us about they had. She's like, yeah, Ben's sick. He's not available tonight. And you know, like you think, like uh, when you're sick, you want to be, uh, you want to, you want to be with mom, right? You know, you want to, you want to hang with mom. But uh, she had responsibilities. She was in charge of this like huge group of like 70 people. So she sort of had to like leave Ben to recover on his own and, and run the show uh, in the stadium. And so we talked to her for for probably like three or four minutes. It wasn't like a deep in depth conversation, but it was fun to meet her and really felt honored that like a player's family member 
would have some familiarity enough with the show, at least enough to recognize uh, my dumb face uh, <laughs> as I'm sitting there uh, yelling uh, lame trash talk from uh, 30 feet away at DC United players who were warming up to kick our ass. It, it's a, it was a great moment. And uh, Ben Bender, one of the players on this team that is just so fun to watch week in and week out because uh, he's young. He is uh, during our ride home, which was, was a beautiful, beautiful ride. We talked for pretty much six hours straight. Yeah. And um, one thing that you said that really stuck out to me was that, you know, Ben Bender is somebody who has an offensive mindset who wants to play on the front foot and progress the ball forward, like towards goal. That's his his style of yeah. play. And that like really stuck out to me as, you know, something that Charlotte FC was really missing on yeah. Saturday night. And I, I think um, ultimately I wanted to wrap that into the point that I was making about how many Diop which is um, this team needs to start relying more on young players. Mm -hmm. And um, I teased before the show that, uh, and I've already started poking fun about it in regards to Danny, like the lack uh, of availability when it comes to Nuno Santos and Vinny Mello Mm -hmm. on Saturday night, because they're playing for crown legacy legacy. Um, And, and I, you know, told you, I said, hey, man, I've got a working theory on this. Yeah, I love and I want, this. And I wanted to run it by you on tonight's show. I'm finally ready. After thinking about and sitting on this for weeks now, um, I wanted to ask you what you thought about it. Unload. Is that this organization has prioritized Crown Legacy this year. And decisions are being made to build the notoriety of the club, the influence of the club in town to try to get fans attracted there to Matthews, to buy season tickets, to buy tickets to matches, to see some faces Mm -hmm. they're familiar with on the pitch there. And I think this has, to me, it seemed like a directive, something that was discussed that we have to make sure that crown legacy's start is successful and we can right. and we can use our first team to make that happen. And for me, I think the launch of Crown Legacy so far this season has negatively impacted Charlotte FC. I think that there are young players that should be getting minutes for this team, but instead are getting minutes with by the way the, the top of the table Crown Legacy. I yeah. saw I saw jokes being made on Twitter about how strong a starting lineup that was on Saturday night. You're talking about teenagers going up against Nuno Santos, a $3 yeah. signing, signing yeah. Petkovic. That's a great yep. call out right there. Oh, Hub likes, you know, Hub likes see, sees the big picture. That's a great comment from him as, as usual. And, um, you know, another great comment, um, from from Matt Geslin, who says it's probably what the team should have done to start like St. Louis did. <laughs> yeah. I, you yeah know, and, right? and I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I think what, what – and again, I want to underscore Woulda, coulda, shoulda. I haven't talked to anybody in the building. You know, I definitely want to ask them this question as well. And if the answer was, yes, we've prioritized Crown Legacy, I'm good with that. And that needs to start to change as of this moment where – Vinny Mello and Nuno Santos cannot be playing on the road for Crown Legacy. That, to me, is unacceptable. They need to be in the starting lineup, on the road, at DC United, to come in the game, down one nothing, and make something happen and try to get a draw. That yeah. is how you get results in yeah. a professional soccer league. You don't go ship two playmakers out to play against a bunch of teenagers in Queens in a game that 20 people are going to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how exactly how many were on the stream that I was watching last night on Apple. It doesn't show the count. But uh, uh, so you asked me what I think. I'll tell you in a second. Let's hear two uh, very nice uh, opposing TIFOs reactions to what you just laid out there, which I think is very insightful and very uh, well thought out and smart. And it makes a lot of sense. And like, even though you don't have, quote unquote, proof that like that was the goal, circumstantially, you can see how that case all fits together. And so. Bridget, you know, friend of the show, Bridget, we were hanging out with her this weekend. She says, well, dang, John, that's a wonderful thought. She loves the Crown Legacy. She's been to every game uh, with her daughter. And like we, uh, she and I both, like I'm a Crown Legacy fan too, for sure. And I get it. But then then you've got Brandon Davis, another great team who says, if John's theory is correct, then the front office is even more horrible than we ever imagined. So like who who really knows 
what the right reaction is to this idea of yours. I do know that like, it's clear that crown legacy at this point would be, it would be almost an embarrassment to not win the league, to not win next pro at uh, the league this year to be league champions because well, with the current roster. Yeah. Yeah. What we call this in the gaming world, uh, you know, level up Luke's in here. I see him and he would know this, this term obviously from gaming and, and most people know it, but it's just OP overpowered. It's just like, you know, when you have something in a game where just like one uh, aspect of the game is just like works too well in FIFA, it can be like a player who's like speed rating is just like way too higher than anybody else and stuff like that. It's just OP. It's, so, so it's like it's an overpowered situation where there's just guys who do not belong in Next Pro whatsoever. Uh, uh, Santos doesn't. Melo probably does not. Uh, uh, Petkovic probably does. Petkovic is good enough to, to be in an MLS first team. He's a $3 million signing, like they, like Hub Legs pointed out. And like, um, these guys don't necessarily need to be on a next pro roster, but what our club ha has figured out is because there's not the same salary rules in next pro as there is in the league, this is a place to stash guys there. It's actually kind of evolutionary and it, it, you could almost call it groundbreaking if it works in that, like, you know, you can give a shout out to our front office for like, you know, I know Brandon said more horrible than we ever imagined. Another way to look at it is to give them some credit for like being inventive and novel and like creative and like saying, Hey, like we're going to maximize the flexibility that has been provided to us by being able to move guys in and out salary, notwithstanding onto this crown legacy situation. And it's MLS next pro is so new that no other team has really figured that out. So maybe, maybe, maybe we're geniuses, you know, for doing this. I don't know. Uh, I do agree. Everything you say in terms of building the community Fans are going out to these legacy games. I, I went to the very first one. It was pretty packed. And I thought to myself, ah, that, you know, the, the, the crowd, this is the, like, this is a one-time only thing. I was like, the crowds won't be this big for future games. And they're not quite that big, but there's still a lot of people going out to the games. I've been to a few, a uh, few other ones since the debut. I've watched others on the stream when I can, when I can't get out to Matthew. So uh, there definitely is a sense of like trying to like, connect crown legacy to the community very strongly, just as much as FC, the first team and whether or not the first team has suffered because of that. Uh, I don't know. I'll leave it to you and the TIFOs. I want I want to hear more. I know you've been working on theory. My initial reaction is that it makes a lot of sense and that I need to hear, hear more, like take it deeper. Well, we'll find out from Christian Latanzio over the next couple of weeks based on what his selection looks like and whether the front office is affording him with the best possible selection. And I can promise you that's not what they did on Saturday night. Um, they gave uh, Crown Legacy a couple guys that could have made a massive impact for Charlotte FC on the pitch. Do you think it's this that uh, this is a this has been a fun popular take in the last twenty four hours on Charlotte FC Twitter? I should say, I mean, social media is not real life. Everybody, like we we're we're all we're watching. You guys are live streaming with us. We're constantly tweeting from our show account. We get it that we're sort of like the online community of Charlotte FC fans, and that there is a larger outside community. But hey, we're all here together, so let's. Let's talk about it. I can tell you that the online community of Charlotte FC fans has been very much into this idea of like, well, Latanzio is losing. Tavares is winning. Just switch those two. Like, you know, let, let's like sub out to Latanzio, sub in Tavares as manager and uh, and just keep going about our way and maybe bring his tactics to the first team. Do you think there's merit to that? Or do you, to me, it's just Tavares looks good because his team is just so much better than the, the, the general talent level of next pro. But yeah. I think Tavares is, is getting the, the, the good end of the Latanzio crown legacy deal, right? Where mm -hmm. Latanzio is getting the, the shit end of the stick mm -hmm. and Tavares is making the best out of his situation, which is getting players from the first team to help crown legacy, get off to a good start, get mm -hmm. on the top of the table and build some buzz around town. It's perfect. It's perfect. I mean, it's, it's almost galaxy brain what they're doing. And the MLS season is so long and there's so much time for this. Think about how poor the start has been. And you look at the table and you go, well, you know, just get on a nice run of games and you're going to, you could, you could qualify for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And that goal is still attainable. So I think sacrificing some of, of the first team's talent to help crown legacy, get a foothold in the community and, and have a nice launch is, is, is a certainly a, a real conversation that could have been had. But I, again, uh, it's, a, it's something that um, it's something that we're going to discuss. Are they playing harder? Do they have better chemistry? This is another comment from Bridget. They seem to be playing harder and working together on the field. I mean, is that is it as simple as that? Are, is legacy actually better uh, in terms of uh, getting basic soccer principles that that are easy and effective? 
I'm not answering that question. It's like MLS Next Pro versus MLS. It, it's yeah. two completely different games, and yeah. and I'm not willing to uh, yeah. to go there. But maybe in the future, well, I'd, I'd have an opinion. I know we're gonna we're about to listen to something uh, Latanzio's post game press conference and get into another controversial discussion about this club. But before we do that, I just want to shout out Level Up Luke. Thanks for joining us, Luke. Uh, I love Danny flexing the Emmys on the shelf. Hey, I don't flex. The, the Emmys are just there. You know, I. The, this is the most convenient place for me to set up my camera and my microphone and just, you know, the Emmys just happen to be there. So, you know, what, what can I say? I just leave mine downstairs. <laughs> I don't need to bring it up and put it on camera. It just stays uh... in the living room. Uh, shout out to, to Level Up Luke. Um, saw that there was a great watch party down there in uh, South Carolina for the match on Saturday night. Yeah. Shout out to yeah. you and the crew for getting together and, and repping the squad. How about Vaughn Pullman checking in? Another friend of the show. The club wants to win at all levels. It's working at Crown Legacy. It hasn't worked at MLS yet. You agree with that? I mean, obviously, we do want to win at all levels. Totally. But yeah, that, and, and that's why you sh- and that's yeah. why you share some of the first team players. Yeah, like we want to have success. So let's get the first team players down there and give this uh, Crown Legacy program a real nice shot in the arm. Uh, I think that's a great call out, Vaughn. And and that's why ultimately the theory. Like, it's not that this is a bad thing overall. It's just like right. that this could be, and I'm not trying to have excuse making. So I don't want to get any excuse making. And I know we've <laughs> talked about Christian Latanzio, po- Latanzio post game. Is this excuse making, Danny? I don't know. I think that uh, we have the ball enough. We look for him enough. And uh, it's, uh, it's a matter of, uh, it's a matter of um, him coming to terms with the league as well as, uh, as possibly the system, but he already scored. And I should mention, we're talking about Enzo Competti here, right? Like that, and that is, is that something Christian Latanzio is using as, as an excuse? Like has to uh, get more balls, has to get acclimated to the league. Does it sound like he's making excuses again post game? Listen with the critical ear. I don't know. I think that uh, we have the ball enough. We look for him enough. And uh, it's, uh, it's a matter of, uh, it's a matter of um, him coming to terms with the league as well as uh, as possibly the system. But he already scored in the system. He is uh, he had chances, and uh, I think that uh, this is work in progress for him, right? And uh, I know if he scores a goal, uh, then we say that uh, everything is great. If he doesn't score, then it becomes a problem. I think he's involved in the game. He's involved in what we do. He presses the ball well. He fights for the team. I think that we need to improve. Uh, he needs to improve uh, the game back to the goal. And this uh, partnership with Carol, that he doesn't have consistency in the sense that they, ga- they play one game well, another game not so well. And... Uh, and they are so important for us. I told them in no half terms that for me, the partnership and the way they come together, the, the way they come professionally together is vital to our success. The partnership, I mean, that's what we need. Uh, Enzo is a become a lightning rod on this team. There's people that want to see him benched. I know that. There's people out there that are saying bench Enzo. I know you have said Enzo is our most important player and and potentially our very most talented player and the guy that we must unlock to be successful. I know you said that a few weeks ago. I don't know. You may want to update that or change that, but I do think Enzo is not getting enough credit from some fans because it is what Latanzio said there. As much as I'll critique him, the one thing he said there that I definitely agree with is, Oh, he scores a goal and it's good. He was good. If he doesn't score a goal, then he had a bad game. You know, that's not really a fair way to judge it. We have to look at the performances. And I agree with that. Like, Enzo does things on Carroll's goal versus Columbus. Why do you think Carroll was standing there in so much space that he could just like free swing his weak foot through a ball and stick it in that corner? Because Enzo had made a run five seconds before that that drew three defenders in the box and created that space for Camille to cross into. But so, was he making excuses? It's, Do you buy into the excuses? You got to answer the question. You heard you heard at the beginning of that, right? We, you know, I, I agree. The, the chemistry part at the end of that clip, and no, I know you felt you know strongly what? about it. And this is what I'm saying: it's very, it's these statements to start. I don't know. I think that uh, we have the ball enough. We look for him enough, and uh, it's uh, it's a matter of uh, it's a matter of um, him coming to terms with the league as well as uh, as possibly the system. But he already scored in the system. He the system i mean well, that's you, my you, thing it's not an excuse with that or disagree I, no with that? i i don't think it's an excuse at all you know what i think it is unfortunately it's arrogant it's sheer arrogance 
it's 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 the it's the system it's uh it's just like saying like hey enzo will be good when he figures out how to play my way you know instead of instead of like i'm gonna let enzo just play freely and do what i uh, what he has done in the past to be successful so should we look uh, at some heat maps yeah let's do it let's bring up the heat maps to to sort of uh even go deeper on this discussion uh i this is a new so so uh, you know, producing technique updates. We, we've went going with screenshots here where in the past on these live streams, we've brought up the live webpage and I clumsily zoom in and out of the pages. So hopefully this works a little better and is more readable for people. Here I've got all three attackers heat maps, right? So you got Copetti here on the left side of the screen and all you see is just like, he's getting in little pockets, but he's not really making an impact anywhere significant. Meanwhile, McKinsey Gaines owned that right wing, that corner. He provided a ton of width for us. Vargas, I'd have to say bad game. Uh, you know, he banged up the ankle two games ago. He got treatment at one point late in the first half in this game. Then he was the first sub. Remember we talked about his inability to drive down the left wing and, and take advantage of that space? Right. No no action there. Right. He's, not, he's, he's, he's never moving. down here parallel to the box. Yeah, he's moving right to left on that graphic mm -hmm. and never uh, getting down parallel into that, making an entrance into that final third. And look at Mackenzie Gaines on the other side. He does that. But the reason why I brought this up is I wanted to look specifically at Copetti. I think what you're seeing here on this graphic is a player that's lost. Mm -hmm. Is a player that's trying to pick out positions on the pitch and try to make things work. Mm-hmm let's really start to consider having Copetti just sit right down there in front and don't worry about getting wide of the box ever. The fact that he, he's touching the ball that far wide to me is so confusing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who scored one of the best headed goals in, in the league so far this season. Or, or trying to receive the ball. I, yeah. I, I have, I, I just, it's tough. I know we, we, we spent so much of the game in our defensive half that why that's why he's there on the right side of the pitch there and i think that's fine all that is fine but what's he doing way up the left side what's he doing down in that right corner there's not mm -hmm. a lot of area in that middle why you know right on right. the six yard box he's there i think there's an opportunity for enzo to get in better positions himself right i want to see a bright red dot in that area that's like between the six yard box and the penalty spot you know like i want to see him working in that yeah. area like non-stop if we bring up the i switched now let me switch the attackers to the midfielders here and you can see Carroll on the right side of the screen now. And Carroll's not really mixing with Copetti the way that he had in the previous couple matches where we were looking better. Uh, Latanzio talked about this was a, a game where their partnership did not work very well. And you can see just from the maps where Carroll's spending all his time here on the right. And then we go back to Copetti. He, his biggest red spot is over on the left. So these guys are like all completely on different pages in this game, unfortunately. I think it was a bad game for Carroll, just like I do think it was a bad game for Vargas. Uh, you see Westwood came back, played the full 90. I know you love a full 90. I do love you, a full 90. Westwood? Uh, congratulations to him for coming back from injury, playing the full 90. Uh, I love the way that heat map looks because it complements exactly what Brant Pronico is doing. Look at that. And that's exactly what you want from a midfield pairing. You can, you can say whether this worked or not, whether the talent is high enough, but wh what you can say is that their positioning was not poor. And mm -hmm. I think Latanzio talked about that as well. In a, in a press conference clip after the match, uh, he talked about how that first goal was a, a penalty. The, the second goal was a bicycle kick that the, the defenders did a very poor job mm -hmm. uh, inside the box. And the third goal was just, you know, end of the game, got a third. Um, I think mostly the engine room here between Brand and Ashley. I think I, I think the engine room. I think there, there was enough go. Uh, there was enough. Yeah. There was enough energy to get this team across the line to the 90th minute. There just wasn't enough around them happening. Bronico uh, played well. You know, people are going to come at Bronico and they're going to say, you know, what's he doing out there? You have to consider this. You know, a game where he was at least one of the more effective players when a lot of our guys were not effective. So I appreciate you bringing these heat maps up. And I think if you go to sofascore.com um, where we see these, um, what, what you can do is kind of click on Christian Benteke, kind of see where he's hanging out during this match. Uh, you can talk about Click, the um, the transfer that DC picked up. Uh, Mat Matthias Click, is that who it is, Danny? 
Matouche. I think it's Matouche. 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 Yeah, yeah, Matouche. Yeah. Thank you very much for that pronunciation. Uh, two very good players that come in from the Premier League that took up really, really nice positions. Christian Batteke and Cleach in this match. Um, and you can just, you know, poke around yourself on that website and kind of le- learn a little bit about positioning in the game. That's what we like to talk about on the show sometimes, especially when we're 45 minutes in. Yep. Um, we did have a request and we do take requests. So they asked for Benteke's heat map. I'm going to bring it up here in two seconds. But if you uh, keep keep filling it for me for a second. Yeah. And then the last thing that I'll say, you know, from Lensi is Swiderski spent as much time in the middle uh, as Capetti by design. Um, I, I'm not sure that, you know, wouldn't take out. I wouldn't say they spent as much time in the middle. But yes, these two players need to complement each other, Len, uh, within the 18 yard box. Uh, that's where when we talk about partnership. And we talk about how these two players can connect with one another. It's not anywhere except for right on the top of the half circle outside mm-hmm. the box. Where are they passing to each other there? And I think if you look back at the minutes and minutes and minutes of gameplay that these two are on the pitch together, the passes that happen there are not good. And wow, look at that. Look at that. Man. Look at Benteke. Oh, he's just taking up wonderful <laughs> positions here all game long. That huge red dot right between, like I said, like I said, I want to see Enzo with a giant red spot between the box and the penalty spot. And that's what Benteke was getting there. Yeah. Just, just post it up in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's come wide a little bit too, but, but you see there's nothing deep in the final third there, right? He's taking those positions mostly in hold up play outside the 18 yard box. There's nothing down the sidelines there, right? He knows exactly where to centralize himself, where to be mm-hmm. and where to be that physical dominant pre- presence. I think Enzo Capetti could learn a lot. From Christian Benteke, yeah. Uh, if I he mean, wants Benteke to become a, the, the MLS striker that we think he could possibly be. Benteke is not like a like a, one of the all time greats in the Premier League or anything, but he's a very effective Premier League goal scorer. He knows how to finish goals, and that's why DC went to go get him. We got a request here from Bob Stevens. What formation are we actually running? I can't ever tell. So how about uh, this quick screenshot? It's got I I clipped this to show everybody's ratings, but maybe you can just talk about the formation. I know you like to break these these tactics down. Uh, is tough. it really a 4 3 3, or what do you think? Uh, tough rating for Marksy there. I know he gave up three goals, but a 5.9. Um, not even the bad. lowest rated one on the pitch. Derek Jones, a 5.5. Not good to see that rating as well. But that's what happens. You give up a PK, right? Mm, right, yeah. Uh, so, and, and you pick up a yellow, too. Uh, but anyway, to answer the original question, uh, this 4 3 3 is, is not really what um, this team is playing right now. It's more mm-hmm. so a uh, 4 4. I would even cons- I you know I would even venture to call what we did on DC a four five one. Okay, with Carol Swiderski out on the right there with Mackenzie Gaines and Westwood and Bronico in the middle and Vargas out there on the left side with Capetti as the lone striker up top. Sure, yeah, that uh, makes sense. With, I think that's what and, it really was too. Yeah. And, and with Carol had like a freedom to come inside and work, you know, that area there. So it was really a four five one, um, and. Unfortunately, when that's your back four, Burn, Milana, Jones, and Awful, it's just not going to work. It's a, it's a horrible, horrible back line. Yeah, and you can see DC running a three-five-two, Taxi Fountas, Christian Benteke, uh, uh, just kind of owning the top, just just up top and owning it. You know what can you do? What 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 could we do? We were we were left with almost nothing to do. Good for Mackenzie Gaines. Better better game uh, than. I thought he would have, and maybe uh, with Camille Yusviak, um out with an injury right now, uh, Mackenzie Gaines is uh, realizing the opportunity in front of him and will get another start on Saturday and maybe put in another 7.0, maybe even a higher performance and get his first goal of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. When, when the news came out about the injuries that were suffered in the Open Cup game, uh, what they say, Bill's going to be out a while, but Camille could be back quicker. So Camille could be back this week. Camille maybe miss one more game. Uh, we got a huge stretch of fixtures coming up right now, so it doesn't re- like these guys are going to play. Like we, uh, we, I popped in a comment up earlier. One of the tifos had commented in January our problem was too much depth, and now we have no depth, and that's going to really rear its ugly head here. As we have, I think at one point I, I looked, we had a game every four point five days. Uh, I think that that game, the the past game we just lost against uh, DC was the beginning of like six games in like 29 days or something like that that we have. So it gets a little nuts. Uh, I do want to show, can I show one thing here just a, a little bit uh, for my own uh, personal yeah, uh, edification here? I took this picture. <laughs> uh, this was right after, uh, this is right after Fountas's, uh 
penalty kick goal. This guy was sitting right in front of us. And uh, he, I think he was like, he knows taxi or something. Cause he was like, he loved taxi like more than any other player. That was a signed Jersey. Like if you look, you can't really see it on this picture, but uh, taxi had signed it with a silver Sharpie on the white uh, number there. So that's why it didn't come out too well, but yeah. So I was pretty bitter. That guy put on a full Mandalorian mask. Like, uh, like I was looking for Grogu, and he was holding a baby. Thank, thank God, the baby was not dressed as Baby Yoda, or I probably would have like jumped, had to just leave. But uh, uh, the guy like went Mandalorian on us, uh, and he was like loving for Taxi, and uh, I was like saying Taxi's a cheater, and, and he's like, well, he scored that goal, and then I, you know, I just I didn't want to get in a fight in, in the nation's capital, so I just kind of let it be. But I did, I did flip him off behind his back when he wasn't looking. So but, you know. I don't know. <laughs> And we'll uh, end the show with that this evening. Uh, it's, been, it's been a pleasure hanging out with everybody who uh, watched us live. Thanks for joining in the comments. Great to see y'all. Great to see uh, Matt, Barbie, and great to see Bridge McCall up in D.C. hanging out at the brewery with us before the game. Shout out specifically to them. Uh, had a blast on the show tonight, Danny. We've got another episode coming later this week to preview the big match against NYC. Are we playing NYC or NYC 2? Uh, on Saturday, can we can we play NYC too? There's a, I want to leave the people with this. We're playing New York City. Uh, their their nickname is the Pigeons. Uh, uh, I just uh, my Southern rock soul was t- was hit with this uh, this lyric earlier this afternoon. As I, as I considered this. I texted this to you and Geslin. Uh, we're putting all we're like overpowering uh, Crown Legacy so that we can have like a really good like MLS Next Pro team. Meanwhile, we're about to go play and NYC is about to come in. And uh, they have a really good squad this year. They're scoring a ton of goals. So I leave you with this widespread panic lyric. We're all wondering. We're all wishing. We're all hoping we'll know the truth. Wondering what it's like washing windows when you know there's pigeons on the roof. Uh, I mean, like, the, we're washing windows with our Crown Legacy 4-1 win. But the, the New York's about to come in and try to shit all over us. So uh, hopefully... Hopefully we got something to chase him away. Well, we're going to talk about that match on our second episode of the week. That's coming later on Thursday. But until then, I'm John. He's Danny. Always a pleasure to hang out with you guys. And as always. For the crown, baby. <laughs>